Welcome to Biblical Perspectives brought to you by the Ecumenical Catholic Church of Christ. Join your host, Father Dr. Tom Roberts, for discussions about the Bible and related conversations about theology, spirituality, and more. Greetings and welcome to today's broadcast. I'm Father Tom Roberts, your host. Where in the world did Christian broadcasting come from? Most of you are listening on shortwave radio and some obviously on the internet, but are you aware of the history of broadcast radio from a Christian point of view? So I'll try to give you over the next 26 minutes or so just a little recap and a little bit of historical precedence in regards to why this is still a large undertaking by the church today on WEWN, on shortwave, as well as EWTN. From a Roman Catholic perspective, we have Dr. Summerall uh, on a huge network called Lassie Broadcasting. But these things actually have their antecedents in Vatican Radio, 1922, where the first broadcast was from Vatican City Radio. And it's interesting that shortwave had just been invented when there were tests around the world sending a dot and a dash through code, what we used to call and still do in ham radio, CW, continuous wave. It's an AM mode there. And so when you break it, you get dot, dit, 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 dot. You know, the Titanic had that type of... Uh, radio communication on it in 1912. And so therefore, these old spark gap transmitters uh, were definitely used for CW for Morse code. There had been AM broadcast and communication off the East Coast of the United States as far back as 1906. And people were experimenting all through the teens till KDKA signed on uh, in Pittsburgh as the first commercial broadcaster to broadcast elections. So radio had become quite the big deal by 1920. It meant even more in some cases because the internet, even podcasting today is built on radio. And a lot of great leaders utilized radio. Churchill, Hitler, uh, and all great leaders across, you know, America, uh, Harding and others. You can still listen to recordings of their broadcast to this very day. 
Well, it didn't take long for the Christian church to pick up on this. And they began to test from St. John's, Newfoundland, uh, over to Oslo, Norway, across the Atlantic. They began to say, how could we, in which frequencies could we use to get radio clear across the Atlantic? And the Titanic had done it with CW on 500 kilohertz. But how could we spread the Christian message? So they found that shortwave would propagate above the AM band of frequencies called the broadcast band, generally 2 megahertz to 25 megahertz. Some ham receivers will go up to 30 and some even higher. But nevertheless, general listening for shortwave in those days would probably go 16 meters or 18 megahertz on most common old shortwave radios down, of course, to 5 megahertz on the shortwave band and down just a little bit below 2 megahertz on the marine band because you had police calls just above the AM dial way back then. And so they wanted to find a way to promulgate the gospel. Well, there were Christian networks that got started, Transworld Radio Network, was very big on shortwave for so many years. And thank goodness they're still in Christian broadcasting to this very day. We also had the Southwest Radio Church begin in Oklahoma City in the early 1930s talking about prophecy, talking about Bible doctrines and their own brand of dispensational theology. But nevertheless, when they would read Bible in the news, they would oftentimes help their listeners understand what was going on in the Middle East. Another broadcaster who was very controversial was the world tomorrow. Herbert W. Armstrong brings you the plain truth about today's good news and the prophecies of the world tomorrow. That was Art Gilmore, one of the greatest voices ever heard on radio. Used to do that intro. And uh, Herbert Armstrong was a minister originally in the Church of God Seventh Day, which is a Sabbatarian church movement that originally began out of the Marian party. And uh, therefore, the little-known denomination had a conference in Oregon in 1933, where Herbert Armstrong received his license for ministry, and he wrote in the Bible Advocate and also 
broadcast weekly for $3 a broadcast over KORE, 1050 in Eugene, Oregon. The broadcast would grow to hundreds of radio stations and next to Paul Harvey, Garner Ted Armstrong, the son of Herbert Armstrong, would take the broadcast in 1955 and bring it to new heights. And he was the most heard religious voice on radio for many decades. Now, I'm not here to give commentary in regards to which Christian broadcasts were used of God and which ones were not. There was simply an ideology of heaven's radio was indeed an old hillbilly song by Molly O'Day. Used to sing about getting on your knees and dial again. And soon the voice of Jesus would be heard, the Cumberland Mountain folk said in 1938. As shortwave grew with the Voice of America signing on in 1942, Christian broadcasting was also growing throughout the United States. Later, it would be for a short period made illegal in Canada. There would be only one Canadian station that would be grandfathered in with the gospel in Canada until, of course, the 1990s, when that law would be reversed. In Europe, Asia, Latin America, AM and shortwave, and then later with uh, Armstrong's invention of FM radio, shortwave was listened to all over the world. And it was much more a part of local listening in many parts of the world more than it was in the United States. The United States passed laws, especially with the charter of the VOA, that shortwave was more for overseas. And uh, we were not going to use it for local or regional broadcasting the way it is in China uh, and Africa and many parts of the rest of the world, especially Europe. Shortwave was seen as an international voice for missionary churches uh, such as Trans World Radio. Uh, one of the missionary companies out of Chicago who worked with Moody founded HCJB, Quito, Ecuador, and they were to herald the message of Christ throughout the world, and now I think they have a transmitter in Australia, our sister country, but uh, they used to, every day, you could hear music in the night and other programs, news, uh, cultural reports, 
And then, of course, don't forget Far Eastern broadcasters out of Manila who are still broadcasting in such manner from the Philippines every day with, I believe, 250 kilowatts or more into Asia daily. So there's quite a world of broadcasting that exists outside the confines of most people. It's very historical, very effective. WHRI says that shortwave is the most practical way to reach millions of people with a single transmitter. And in Asia today, there is 1.5 billion little shortwave radios made by TechSoon and uh, other Asian companies, most of them in China or India, who make shortwave radios for sale for about the equivalent of 12 U.S. dollars. And so many people in Asia, the South Pacific, listen to shortwave radio. Now, as we talk about the history of our medium, so we gain a little respect for the shortwave managers of stations, for the programmers who are today flying in the face of most local media outlets to continue their mission projects for shortwave radio. And we'll be right back right after this to discuss more about Christian broadcasting. Looking for an affordable online school that offers biblical, theological, and liturgical education to prepare you for social justice and ministry? St. Anthony's Liturgical House of Studies has the solution. Visit stanthonysliturgicalhouse.org for a current listing of programs and courses and to register today. Christian broadcasting has always been a part of the media outreach of many ministries. And of course, in the later 40s, television with Billy Graham and Oral Roberts would soon do on television uh, what was done on radio with revivals and Crusades for Christ, and so on and so forth. So that just spun off right into the early television era with broadcasters such as Fulton Sheen uh, to represent Catholicism and many other programs like the Lutheran Hour and programs from the Voice of Hope on shortwave from KSDA and other Seventh-day Adventist broadcasters uh, have also added uh, great programming uh, such as WaveScan and uh, other religious and cultural programming 
uh, out of Guam and Central America and many other locations. Today in the United States, we have over 30 religious broadcasters. And uh, they broadcast old speeches and sermons and teaching sessions by Gene Scott on KVOH. And, of course, we have Lassie Broadcasting, which I referred to earlier. Uh, there's a wonderful program on there uh, by uh, Sister Kim, where she often talks about the power of prayer and the need for young people to consider Christ in this volatile age. Now, may I say this, along with the solid broadcasters, we also have some very scary prophets and people who have some, oh, very uh, concerning prophetic pronouncements to issue upon the Western world. But you know, folks, we need to hear from as many voices as we can. Just listen and be discerning about what you hear. Does it square with life as you know it? Does it uplift your faith? Does it get you into scripture? And does it bring love and healthy respect for other people? Might be some good criteria to remember. Many of these stations will also have political programming that will run along countercultural lines with a neocon twist about conspiracy and other related interests, but sometimes there's a real gem thrown in there. So uh, don't really refuse to listen to anybody, but listen very discriminately because when it comes to the wacky world of religion, you're liable to hear almost anything. And the reason this has happened has been obviously due to the corporate buyout of the media, where fewer and fewer voices have a chance to really make it on the National Syndicate of Programming in today's broadcast menu. So, shortwave, as in certain ways, become the alternative media. I worked for Pacifica many years ago on KRAB 107.7 Seattle. And... Uh, we used to air programs that were extremely far right, extremely far left. We didn't have much religion uh, on KRAB, but a few people did broach the subject back then. But we've lost the diversity in the media. We've lost a lot of professional responsibility. And why is that? 
because it's all about ratings and demographics and corporate sponsors of control. And so therefore, you don't have as much talent from the bottom end of the industry getting started on a 250-watt AM station and working their way up to a regional and then maybe to a clear channel station the way you did long ago. It's harder to break in, but good talent still does rise, even though it's much more difficult in today's corporate media culture. Now, we cannot do a broadcast history survey without mentioning the border blasters in Mexico, south of the border, X-E-L-O, 800 on the dial from Ciudad Waters, Chihuahua, Mexico, right across from El Paso, Juarez. That was 800 on the dial. It shared the frequency with Trans World Radio, which ran 500 kilowatts back then from Boiner Antilles. XELO was a station that ran many broadcasters who wanted to be on these superpower border blasters. I used to write to the Cousin Billy show, and she would read my letters and others from New Zealand, from Great Britain, Alaska, some great coverage on 800 kilohertz back in the late 60s, early 70s. Wolfman Jackson, his station, uh, that was um, the Mighty 1090, also years ago had preachers on it. Um, and of course, they would pay Wolfman Jack in uh, just loads of cash. And of course, who was going to turn that down? X-E-R-A uh, was another big one. Uh, that had a lot of American money, 500,000 watts, uh, pumped most of 38 states every evening, and six other nations, and many ships at sea. KOA Denver still hangs on to that mantra from 8.50 a.m. Uh, as having a very similar coverage because they're grandfathered in as an A1 or 1A station. Now, at 1570, where Wolfman Jackson got his start on a big border blaster with 500,000 watts of power, it was an incredible signal. And I did some promos on there for uh, Impact Ministries on XERF. And uh, clear to the mid-1990s, uh, you could hear uh, that 500,000-watt uh, signal coast to coast. 
XCG Monterey, 1050 on the dial, is still a border blaster, although 1050 isn't the clear frequency in the U.S. that it once was. So the dial is a bit cluttered. Today they only have to protect your signal for 750 miles at night. KSL Salt Lake City was also heard for its news, religion, and public affairs from Salt Lake City, heard as far away as Great Britain and the South Pacific. But uh, they lost the fight to keep their 1A status when the FCC changed their rules in the 1980s. So there you have it. You have shortwave around the world from various missionary stations. They even made missionary radios to equip missionaries to take their radios, like the Titus II comes from that tradition who is trying and attempting to promote DRM on shortwave to actually um, have the missionaries utilize these beautiful shortwave signals and to promote the gospel uh, to local listeners through introducing them to missionary radios that go way back in broadcast history. Why are we here at WBCQ? WBCQ's 500 kilowatt superstation also is carrying on the tradition of religious broadcasting even though WBCQ is really free speech radio. So we do not have to be religious in nature to have a voice on such a wonderful station. These alternative voices are needed more now than ever. And so I hope from now on when you hear Biblical Perspectives, or you hear the Superstation, or WTWW, or WCCR Nashville, I hope that you have a new respect for what these people are trying to provide the listening public and to keep Christian broadcasting independent and alive because Salem Broadcasting Corporation has bought up most Christian voices in the country and all you hear pretty much is a modern voice of Calvinism in Christian radio. I hope that you believe Christian radio should be free. It should be uh, an alternative voice to say whatever the Spirit is saying to the churches in these latter times. Keep listening. Stay informed. Give us your feedback to biblical perspectives where we try very hard to keep you inspired, to bring you scholarship, to bring you biblical teachings that 
is difficult to hear in most places because of the connections to scholarship and academia that we have, as well as to the church at large. We're trying to be a truthful voice at all costs because we pursue the truth at any and all cost. So keep listening, pray for the broadcast, and allow us to serve you better. This is Father Tom Roberts saying thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this week's Biblical Perspectives program. Tune in to the program next Thursday on WBCQ as Father Dr. Tom Roberts continues his discussion about the biblical-related topics. For more information about Biblical Perspectives and the Ecumenical Catholic Church of Christ, visit ecumenicalccc.org. If you happen to be in the Los Angeles or Detroit areas, please be sure to visit the Cathedral of the Archangels and Seraphim Ecumenical Catholic Church of Christ and the Cathedral of St. Anthony. To leave a comment, to support the program, or to learn more about Biblical Perspectives, St. Anthony's Cathedral of Liturgical House of Studies, and their sponsor, the Ecumenical Catholic Church of Christ, visit ecumenicalccc.org. This show, in cooperation with the Ecumenical Church of Christ, was produced by Ricky Insunza and Marty Arredondo of Nightwork Audio, Springtown, Texas.